Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Welcome back. You're listening to the Mystery of Parenthood, and um, we do ask you to slow down. We're really excited because we have we have a guest who is a mutual friend of some of our uh, some of ours, and and actually um, has done some work that fits right in with our show. And I think it'll be excellent for those who are listening. But as always, we'll uh, we'll start with our prayer. Good afternoon. Yes, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. And grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in and through our families. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray, pray for, for us. St. John Paul II, pray, pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yes, we'd like to welcome on the show today uh, Sarah Bartell, Dr. Dr. Sarah Bartell. Uh, and I just would like to do kind of a little brief introduction, um, and then we'll give her uh, a chance to, to kind of fill in the blanks or, or let us know anything fabulous that we may have missed about her. She's actually um, a mutual friend of our, we call him our seventh son, Um and, uh, oh, there it is. It's back. Sorry. I lost you there for a second. <laughs> uh, yes. And so we appreciate, uh, Brian, uh, introducing you to us. I think that, yeah, the things that you've worked, you've been working on are, are a great, um, well, you know, the Catholic faith is just so wonderful. It's just a wonderful onion that you can just peel and, <laughs> but Dr. Bar- yes, Dr. Bar- Bartell is a moral theologian. Uh, diocesan marriage and family life consultant and marriage prep retreat leader. She co-hosts the marriage and family radio show Enduring Love for Sacred Heart Radio and co-edited a catechism of marriage and family life for Catholic University of America Press. And she writes the monthly column Your Family Matters for Northwest Catholic Magazine. She lives in Seattle, where our seventh son is with his lovely wife, and um, and with and her godchild. husband and godchild. Yes. Oh, sorry, Fulton, um, <laughs> and uh, and our precious godchild. And um, Sarah lives with her husband, her husband, and her five children. Welcome, Sarah. We're so glad to have you on the show. Oh, it's such a treat to be with you all. Thanks for having me. And <laughs> yeah, we need to get it back out to Seattle. It's been what since Fulton's. A couple since of years, baptism, I guess. Yes, yeah, it's a couple been since of years. his baptism. So, and he's I a, did not realize you were Fulton's godparent. Yes. That's really yes, yes, yes. He's so <laughs> precious. I'm actually, my husband and I are in a marriage group with Ashley and Brian. Right. Um, and uh, we get to see Fulton. Uh, he's super cute. And Ashley, um, Brian's wife, um, is a nurse practitioner, and she comes to our marriage prep retreats that we've been running a couple times a year for the Archdiocese of Seattle, and she gives a beautiful hour-long presentation on the science of NFP, and she just glows, so she's got this radiant witness, not just um, sharing the science and, you know, all the facts and all the great research she's done, but just sharing with the the joy evident in her own life from, you know, just the beauty of this teaching. So we're so honored to have her. Oh, she, they were talking about, yes, they were talking about that the last time we FaceTimed with them. So yeah, she's becoming quite the, the uh, resident expert in that area being seen as that. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, what um, is there? I know there's some other information. You actually have a website, and uh, I do. Yes, yes. Let us let our listeners so, know. Sure. So my website is all you know all together. DrSarahBartel.com. So it's Sarah with an H. And Bartel with one L. So DrSarahBartel.com. And I'd be honored to have your listeners come by and check it out. And um, all my monthly articles are there. It's just full of tips and inspiration for Catholic marriage and family life. Um, And if you want to join my, you know, follow me and join my list, I would just be so grateful to stay in touch and just keep sharing all this great Great. You know, like you said, the the beauty of the church's teaching is so wonderful. And when I was in grad school, reading wonderful documents like Familiaris Consortio and, you know, writings by John Paul II, I thought these just cannot stay on the shelves. You know, we have to to shout all this from the rooftops. So that's kind of my passion (laughs) and and mission. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's similar to ours, which is why I'm excited. And I think that's probably why Brian for sure thought uh, that it would make sense for you to be on when I saw what what you were doing it is something that we've like i mean the catholic we had so many um we participated as we mentioned before in a in a years ago in a parenting um deal that that was kind of developed by some a baptist couple and we were uh-huh. in, we were in that and and then i went soon after that to work on my on my masters and i was like there's just so much more richness and depth right. and and more application um, it's not on the surface level as much and you can really get down into the depths of it. And that's why somebody like you would be, we were so excited to have because in looking at this catechism, uh, family life that y'all, um, mm-hmm. what was the pro was the word you co you co-edited it or co. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because really the author of the book, it's the church. We just, um, wrote, 109 questions about marriage and family life that span the whole life cycle, really from like courtship all the way through death and widowhood, divorce and old age and everything in between, all the good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's just a little bit in between. (laughs) There's a lot in between, so much. So we came up with the questions, but then we looked for where in the church documents can you find the answer to these questions? And, or if you can't find like a, you know, direct answer, at least get the principles from which you could derive an answer. So yeah, it was loads of fun because I love to research. I love to read all these great teachings, like I was just saying. And then because of my life, like I'm embedded in it, you know, I'm a mom, I'm home with my kids and I like have my ear to the ground at mom's groups and at the park and, and know what questions people are asking. So it was really nice to be able to kind of lend those two aspects of my life, the research grad student scholar part and the mom, wife, you know, Practical. living it in the trenches part. And yeah, really put something together that I think is going to be so valuable for um, engaged couples, for long married couples, for priests to use when when they're doing marriage prep or just to, um, you know, there's just so many ages and stages of family life and we really tried to hit it all. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing because if you look, if you look at it, just if you just look at the at the table of contents, it is like, okay, I've been there, been there, oh, not there yet. You know, <laughs> you know, going through chronologically, it's pretty, it's pretty neat to, to look at that. And, and, and the questions, you know, certainly I've asked some of those questions myself and, and that means that, you know, like you said, you're probably gathering that from, from there, but it's exciting. It's potentially the minute I started reading through that, I was thinking, you know, we have our oldest son's about to get married We've handed him, oh. yeah, and, and I was like, man, we need to probably get that for him too, because oh. I like that you can kind of, there's a question and you can go find the answer, you know. Well, uh, he, he loves that, that, that there, I think people like that style of book, and I know he does, especially, I mean, I think one of his favorite books that we got him was, um, was it, was it, does Adam and Eve have a belly button? Yeah. It was kind of a... Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. I ca- yes, I, yes, and he yeah, loved, yes, loved that style. So, oh, that'll be uh-huh. wonderful. We will have to, that'll be a great shower gift. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I can sign a copy. Oh, wow. Oh, that yeah. would be so I cool. Can. Oh, my gosh, Lisa would love <laughs> that. that. His little, yes, his fiance yeah. would love well, that. Well, you know, 
And I, you know, you guys are in Texas, but here in the Northwest, um, and I live near Seattle, this is the least churched corner of the whole entire state. Right. You know, not like you with your towns. You don't drive through Main Street and see all these different churches. Like, you might see a little bitty handful of churches. Right. So a lot of even Catholics grow up thinking, well, like, why do I, is it that important that I get married in an actual physical church? And so one of our questions was, can we get married on the beach? Because that's, you know, what a lot of young people are thinking about, and they just have, you know, we just wanted to be able to share, like, why it's, it's connected yes. to the church. In fact, it's so sacred that, you know, your your wedding belongs in the church. So I don't know if that's a thing in your, your part of the country. Um, sure it is. I mean, people oh, people yeah. do, and I, and I think that the beauty of that is, is that, I, you know, so many times people just get the, you know, the answer is no, and, and not have... The why and the why is so important to making it your own and not feeling like it's being lorded it over you, but it's actually for your benefit, for the beauty of yeah. of yeah. what you're entering into. And I, any, I and to be connected to the community because it's not just about you and your beloved. It's this whole you know network of um, you know the richer, bigger community that you're part of. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That's no, that's that's uh, that's so beautiful, um, and you know, like you said, it's such a, you're, you're, you're an anomaly. I was listening to you talk about how you love the, the, like the theological and the, the research and mm-hmm. the, the reading of all that. And, and, and yet you, you know, produce this practical, um, you know, practical application. Like that's Trey's, that's Trey and I together. Like he's the oh. theology. I'm in the brain. clouds. And yeah. Jesus. He's in the, the theological clouds. And I'm in like, what does it look like when I get up in the morning? <laughs> you know, <Right>. what a, <laughs> But I, but, I, but I, we always have said, and and I know you know this, but I, we've always wanted our our listeners and and really all Catholics to understand that that there's a reason you study theology, and that there's a that that there is a practical application. It's just not like something you study and then put off on a shelf and only pull out on Sundays or whatever. That it actually uh-huh. applies, right? How would you? I mean, you'd agree, I would guess. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I really was so blessed and privileged in my grad school, <laughs> you know, we, um, I did not want to wait till I was all the way done with my graduate school to, um, start having babies. So I had my first daughter when I was about a year and a half in. So I still had a, some coursework and then all my comprehensive exams, my dissertation to do. So it was really a blessing to be able to go through that with hands-on mm. diapering, you know, toddlers in the house, um, you know, figuring out with my husband <laughs> what yes. our family life is, is going to look like. Because yes. I could, you know, and I did have some help. I had a network of neighbor ladies, and we would all watch each other's kids, and I got some babysitting help as well in addition to that. But I would go to the library for a couple hours, you know, usually um, in the morning and spend my first half of the day in the library and do all the research and the reading and the writing and then come home and, and live it, you know, okay, I just read about like what the gift of children represents and, you know, the beauty of the sacrament of matrimony. And now it's time to roll up my sleeves and do some laundry (laughs) and do it with love. (laughs) That's right. It is. It is so practical. It's, it's not just meant to be these ideals. It's really meant to illuminate our every action. So yeah, that's great. That's neat that you two in your marriage can kind of, you know, embody all of that together. <laughs> well, we, like I said, she was like, okay, Trey, now real life. <laughs> and, uh, had to, on the ground. That's right. That's yeah. right. Had to bring the kite in. <laughs> that's right. But, I, but I, I, like I said, I, we've always wanted to encourage our, our listeners because, oh, I mean, I, at the heart of like where I started, there was a priest once that said, you're, you know, I've been business, I had my business degree and was working in business and, and, and I went back to school to get my master's, and I remember a priest going, "What are you going to use in theology? What, what are you going to use a master's <laughs> in theology for?" And I was like, uh, "Everything." I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. know, but it's it's kind of there seems to have been a disconnect, and maybe there always has been. I don't know, but but in my in my own life, I know it was that way, and and I recognize that it seems rather frequent that you run across people who disconnect, you know, their Sunday or their theology from mm-hmm. their Every day, you know, and of course, John Paul II, mm-hmm. um, theology of body, and which you, you know you you talk about and have read and familiar as consortium mm-hmm. talks about bringing those things together. So, yeah, well, and what we tried to do with the book too is really show the church speaks about your daily life and has insight and wisdom for that. Like we have a whole section on work and family and 
you know, balancing all that and finances and, um, yeah. You know, because work is holy too and important, and you really need it to support the family, usually. Intently <laughs> yeah. wealthy. Um, yeah, and there's uh, Pope Francis and other popes have a lot to say about um, education and raising kids, and, um, you know, in difficult situations too, like the hard stuff, like violence and abuse and death of a spouse. That was something. Um, you know, my sister was widowed in her twenties. It was really oh sad and wow. uh, yeah, just mm. heartbreaking. Um, but you know, even talking to older people who are widowed as I was writing this monthly column for my diocesan news, ma- or, um, it's actually an evangelization magazine. It's really a great initiative, um, that our bishop started up a couple of years ago, but you know, I'm writing about family life. And then hearing from, um, you know, older ladies at church saying, well, I guess that doesn't apply to me anymore. And I was like, oh, you know what? Actually, there's a lot about widowhood that we can draw from the church's teaching. There's a lot there in scripture and, um, you know, and it's addressed in these documents on family life as well. So I wanted to bring that out. And so many Catholics are divorced. And, you know, it's really important to understand, like, what exactly does that mean for your relationship with the church and, you know, how you're called to live now. So we wanted to go into all of that as well as the like nuclear family home with their young kids at home. Cause that's one part of family life, but yeah, there's but there's many, many aspects. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So how did you, like, how did all this come to be? Like, I, and I'm thinking about like, and then narrowing it down to, I mean, was, was, were the, was it all prepared and you kind of plugged in or did you, did you all have to come up with like the format as well? Cause like you said, you really, you, you, you say you co-edited because this really is the church's, <laughs> the church's yeah. information, but you, it sounds like you've really kind of broken it down. I mean, I kind of almost feel like it's like what Christopher West did with theology of the body, you know, for, for and all the questions. Yeah. That the, yeah. The yeah. Analogy. Yeah. Thanks. I'm honored. But, um, <laughs> here's, the, here's the story. Um, some business professors, Trey might be interested to know, mm-hmm. um, Andrew Bella and um, I think Joseph Capizzi, who's an ethics professor at CUA, they put together a book called A Catechism for Business. And so, are you, you probably are familiar with Legatus, the Catholic Yes, absolutely. But I was not familiar so with the Catechism were, for Business. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, check it out. So <laughs> they got a lot of, they put together a book for, you know, Catholic business men and women um, called the Catechism for Business, where they addressed questions that were coming up as they would, you know, give talks at Legatus meetings um, and, and just work with uh, their friends in the business world. So that was a really kind of hybrid format. It wasn't exactly an academic book. It wasn't exactly a popular level book. Um, but it was really popular. It really hit a sweet spot and CUA Press published it and they were like, wow, that was so successful. Let's do one on family life. So who have we got teaching a marriage and family at CUA? John Grabowski, one of, he's just a national speaker. He was invited to the, um, the Synod on the Family as an auditor. And he was my professor in grad school. Mm. So they asked him to um, be one of the co- one of the editors. And then they said, can you think of uh, one of your students? We're especially looking for a woman. And he, um, I'm very honored that he thought of me um, and asked if I would be interested. And I was. So we, um, we kind of saw the model of the Catechism for Business. But we worked with Andy Lichtenwalmer, who is the, um, he was the head of the Family Life Office at the U.S. Bishops Conference at the time. I think now he's working in a diocesan diocesan marriage and family life office in Florida. But, you know, together we started putting together some questions. And then, um, and I would, you know, John Grabowski and myself also would just come up with questions like from what we've been hearing in our work. He and I both do a lot of marriage prep work. So, you know, I know what couples are asking. And then I, at this time, um, this is about, uh, Six years out from grad school, I'd already been doing a lot of ministry, um, marriage prep, as well as serving my diocese um, in the area of marriage and family life. So just the que- I could just kind of see patterns in the questions that I kept coming across. 
So eventually those sort of shaped into chapters. Um, and our editor, uh, John Martino, is really the one who helped shape the chapters up. So it was kind of an organic process, as, as we oh, often wow. see, you know, in family life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Education. So how long did the whole yeah. process take? It was two years. Oh. Yeah. So oh. my little one was three. My youngest, I guess, aside from the baby, I'm carrying now in my room. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm two and a half months along oh. right now. Awesome. But yeah, so I had a little three-year-old in the house and my oldest was 13 at the time. And yeah, so it was great. They, um, they are kind of part of the process because <laughs> I am, right. you know, a work from home mom. So <laughs> I can't imagine. I, mean, I, I cannot. cannot imagine, yeah, honestly. I can't. I, mean, I don't get anything done at home, <laughs> like work-wise. <laughs> I do wash clothes yeah. and, and that stuff, but uh, <laughs> I can't yeah. imagine. That's amazing. That That is amazing. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I mean, I'm trying to envision what that would have looked like at our house. I, I can't even... <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie's gonna. Would you be here? Okay. If I, or... closure, I, you know, I would get babysitting help, or you know, in the evening or weekend. Saturdays, a lot of times I go Saturdays to the public library. That's kind of my happy, quiet place because I am oh, yeah. an introvert. Even though I like lead retreats and like you guys, I have a radio show too. I really need that quiet, focused time to do deep dive type mental work. So I would take that. Um, you know, to yeah. step away from the fray of family life a little bit. <laughs> but towards the end, when we were, I had to put together the index. Um, you know, John Grabowski oh, and I kind goodness. of pulled straws about who would do what part of the the chapters and whatnot. And at the end, he's like, uh, can you do the index? <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and I'd never done one before. And it was a, definitely a learning process. And it definitely required a lot of really focused attention. And it took way more time than I and oh I thought, so I was spending a lot of time at home. And by then, my oldest had become a very capable, helpful, um, you know, youngish teenager. She was, I think, 14 at the time. I was really buckling down for about, mm, it took me about a month to get that index all wrapped up. And so a lot of times I would just be like, Claire, can you just feed lunch to everybody? I'm, you know, right in the middle of this tricky spot. And she and my um, next oldest, um, Kate, who's two years younger than her, they really <laughs> pulled a lot of weight around the house while I wrapped that up. So hey, I'm practical. so grateful. Yes, have, practical yeah. life experience. And I have all girls, so I don't know if that makes a difference. I kind of think it does. But, you know, they, <laughs> they were not bouncing off the walls. You know, they're quietly doing puzzles or <laughs> reading. Wow. Yeah. So this new baby we're expecting now is a boy, and <gasps> God decides to turn my life uh, upside down. You know, it'll be a whole new, goodness. whole new ball game. Oh my goodness! Might not get another book done. Oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, there'll just be some new chapters. <laughs> That's right. That's you may right. have to, yeah. you may have to do an addition. <laughs> so That's uh, true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, it's it's kind of funny. I was saying that we'd probably hit it off because we kind of we're just a few years behind each other, I guess, and having all those kids uh -huh. around and, and the, 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 uh, wildness, which is beautiful, but it's definitely, um, it is requires energy. So, it, yes. Uh, yes. so yeah. speaking of them, besides, besides them, like helping, helping with food and, and keeping things quiet and those type of things, what any, did they help any other way in, in the process? Well, you know, I would talk to my family about what I was doing and kind of, kind of keep them abreast of things. And then, um, you know, I'd have my, haul my laptop around when we were at the park or, you know, go, I could sometimes get some work done in the children's section at the public library while, you know, they're all looking at books. But at the end, it was really fun because, um, but the manuscript was all done. Index was finally all done. And then the, um, the graphic design department at CUA, the, at the press, sent over about four or five different options for cover design. Now, the Catechism for Business cover, okay, no offense, guys, but <laughs> this is clearly a man book because the cover design was a white rectangle inside a teal rectangle. And I was really like <laughs> mentioning the press, I, this is a family life book. We have got to have something a little bit more interesting than that. So they did, they put in a good effort and we got a couple different, real creative, more colorful designs together. And I showed them to my um, husband and kids and asked everyone to vote on what design they liked best. And John Grabowski did this with his 
family as well. And his kids are all grown up and out of the house now as well. I think their very youngest might just be in college. I think she was finishing high school when they finished, which is a little alarming because when I was his grad student and they had us over for Thanksgiving, their youngest was five. So <laughs> you're really <laughs> But so both of our families had some say in you know, what, what cover design they like best. And one of them, one of my daughters said, um, that looks like a cookbook cover. Mom, don't choose that one. Oh man, that's really neat though. I think. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. What, I mean, that's just some, that's some schooling, some, some practical schooling that you can't get anywhere else but home. <laughs> that's right. Yes. 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 Oh. So, so, um, Digging into digging into it a little bit, I think maybe like I, there's so much there, and we'd encourage everybody to go out and get it, and and I think that we'll be getting one for our for our kids. But, but on, on a couple, of, you 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 talk on marriage and sexuality, on parenting and everything. So like, say on any one of those, let's pick marriage. Like what 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 was some important insights from the church that that you think people out there might maybe don't know off the top of their head or might be interested in knowing. Yeah, the real heart of it, which I'm sure you guys are real familiar with, is just that sacramental understanding of marriage. And um, there's certain quotes from church documents that come up again and again. And one that I like to keep pointing back to is from uh, Gaudium et Spes, Mm -hmm. chapter 48, um, paragraph 48, where it talks about um, how marriage springs out from the hand of God. I'm sorry, I actually don't have it in front of me right this second. Wait, oh, I do. Okay. <laughs> so it's Christ the Lord abundantly blessed this many-faceted love, welling up as it does from the fountain of divine love and structured as it is on the model of his union with the church. For as God of old made himself present to his people through a covenant of love and fidelity, So now the Savior of men and the spouse of the church comes into the lives of married Christians through the sacrament of matrimony. He abides with them thereafter, so that just as he loved the church and handed himself over on her behalf, the spouses may love each other with perpetual fidelity through mutual self-bestowal. And then it just goes on to say, authentic married love is caught up into divine love and is governed and enriched by Christ's redeeming power and the saving activity of the church. And I could go on and on, but my husband mm. warned me people don't really like block quotes as much as you do, Sarah. So <laughs> <laughs> I loved it, but you know, I'm, I'm that, 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 that's awesome. But, and I guess that's the, that's the thing that I think it seems to me and I, and, and you're, you're more involved in it than, than I am, but, but that, that this, that's what is happening in the culture that we're in is that there's, not this understanding of marriage as something caught up in divine love, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and we're losing that. And we need to really, I think you actually, maybe in one of the, I don't remember who it was, but I remember them saying that it was kind of, we need to recapture marriage and that this, your, your book, this catechism is, is a way of trying to, um, repropose maybe. I don't know if that's even a word that was used, but but the, the, the beauty of what marriage is meant to be as opposed to the way it's frequently viewed in, in our culture these days or even just in the, in the world today. Well, right. Because it's, it's rooted in, in God's love. Just like that beautiful prayer Stephanie that you prayed at the beginning of the show that, Mm. that really God is the source of love and the creator of marriage. This was his plan, not, up to us. And I'm not even talking just about like us redefining marriage, but a lot of times we have this view in our contemporary society that it's just about my, it's just, it's just a sort of reduced um, emotionalistic type of idea of marriage. That it's just about my affection for my, you know, I'm going to marry my best friend. And, and it's all about these feelings we have for each other. And, and it really, that limits it because, um, when we're plugging into Christ's love for his church here, which is what we do in sacramental marriage in the Catholic Church, we're plugging into the source of love and, and what that means, and Christ's grace enriches us, and there's this whole broader meaning, as well as all these different layers of who our marriage touches, right? Because every single Catholic marriage that you're living well as authentic self-gift, you're blessing the whole church with that. 
you're obviously, you know, blessing your own kids, but also your relatives and the people in your neighborhood and the people at your parish. Like every single marriage has these huge, profound ripple effects. That's not just, you know, me and my beloved on our own little tropical island of love. And, <laughs> and if we, you know, get over our love and just split, no big deal. Like that's the flip side is, you know, when marriage breaks down, it also has those huge ripple effects. But I like to look at the positive here that this is really connecting into Christ Love for Church, that we're plugging into the structure that's already there. Like God already designed marriage, and it's modeled after the structure of Christ's union with his church, the the lover and the beloved, the bridegroom and the bride. Um, so we're really representing that right. um, in our specific marriages. And that Christ is present there, that's really profound. I think a lot of us, even raised in the church, don't necessarily realize, and maybe this is clericalism or I don't know what, leftover bits of Jansenism, right. but we don't realize how holy and precious and sacred our marriage is as a vocation, that that's a sacrament and, and Christ is present there and he gives us grace in it. Um, that's just really something, you know, when you really think about it, that's something that can really lead to a sense of awe and wonder. Right. And Even that's, though there's, you know, laundry and bills and stuff as part of it. Right. Did you, I'm sorry, yeah. Thaddeus, did you have something? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm so excited that you say that because I think that's how we sell. We, we have to, no, I'm not saying, I'm saying sell, well, I mean, Father Mitch Packer used to say, it. "Well, Father Mitch Packer used to always say we're not in management, we're in sales." So, <laughs> so, so, um, so maybe we are selling, but I mean, to sell the beauty of it, not you know the "thou shalt nots" as much as look at what it's something so much greater than what the world is proposing, and there's so much more to be gained and to be given um, and to impact. Um, through living it out that way. But I know Thaddeus had something he wanted to Yeah, Sarah, this is Thaddeus. Um, I, when you talked about not realizing how holy our, and, and precious our marriages are, um, I got a chance to spin through your Instagram, and I noticed you had that oh. beautiful um, graphic for the solemnity of the Mother of God, and you mm-hmm. quoted uh, Cardinal Mingenti. Oh, yeah. And one of the quotes you had on there was that the angels cannot share in God's creative miracle to bring new saints to heaven. And that got me thinking about the devil's motivations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, oftentimes they're characterized as born of pride. But that quote from him that got me thinking about maybe it's more from his disgust at the way we carry it out through matter, which is a lesser form of creation mm-hmm. in Satan's opinion, or mm-hmm. even envy of humanity because we, like God, we're generative. We can bring into fruition with God's permission, with cooperation with him, new immortal souls, just like God can. And we're partakers in oh. creation in a way that the angels aren't so... Then I started thinking about, I'm sorry, this is such a long intro no, to my question, like, but totally but does perfect. this help explain why Sister Lucia remarked that ultimately the devil's attacks are going to come to target marriage in the family? Because this is the thing he hates about humanity the most, that we're, we have this capacity that he doesn't have and that we imitate God, that we are like God just the way that he said in, in Genesis, Right. Um, oh, absolutely. So, and every one of the attacks on marriage or family has to do with frustrating this aspect or completely negating it, um, this fruitfulness and generativity of sexuality. So just what do you think about that? And is that maybe a good narrative for a fa- for parents to carry around to, to teach and contextualize everything when they talk to their children about all this from womb to tomb? I know that was a long intro, but... <laughs> you're, you're, that really got me thinking. And, um, that's good. Yeah, like, I, okay, I'm glad we can talk about this because sometimes when I'm giving talks, but not in the church, I'm like, um, you don't know how far to go with the like battle between good and evil stuff. But I, absolutely, that is the battle right now mm-hmm. at our time in history. I truly think it, the devil is attacking marriage and family life with everything he's got, exactly for those reasons that you mentioned, because it's this temper tantrum against the, in, the incarnation as well. Mm-hmm. That made him really yeah. mad that God, you know, God took on 
human flesh and matter. So kind of hates all children because of that, if that makes sense. But yeah. also, yes, the um, what if I were to continue on with that quote from Gaudium et Spes that I was reading, the church calls it a sublime office of being a father and mother. Yes, that it is that generativity that, um, you know, brings each new generation forth and brings souls create that God works with that to create new souls for heaven. And he notes, several notes, if he can um, destroy that, like that's just um, for the whole history of humanity, that's going to be profoundly, you know, just, I guess, the, the worst thing he could do. And God's grace is so much greater. Thank goodness we, we have faith in that. But it's so clear. Every aspect of the sexual revolution separates what God has joined, right? Mm-hmm. Because God's plan, which is right here in these paragraphs, which these paragraphs from Gaudium et Spes get echoed in Familiar's Consortio in 1981 by John Paul II, and then they find their way into the Catechism of Catholic Church in 1995 and into Pope Francis's document, um, Amoris Laetitiae, the, the Joy of the Love of Family Life. Like, this, it's all kind of, this is the nugget of it. Um, but yeah, that this is God's plan. He joins man and woman with... Um, with this life-giving capacity in marriage. And so the sexual revolution pulls all that apart and says, okay, we're going to separate sexual union from marriage. So that was what we saw in the, the 60s with free love. Woo, just make love with whoever we want, <laughs> but not we're married to them. Sorry. Right? And then, I know, but then a, a decade or two later, it's no-fault divorce, and you really see skyrocketing in the divorces. So marriages are coming apart. And... um and, you know, and there's birth control widely being used. And so we don't see children as connected to sexuality, to sexual mm-hmm. union and marriage. Mm-hmm. And then a couple decades after that, we don't even see sexual union connected to male-female anymore. That it's just now commonly accepted that just it's just this affectionate thing. And you, um, you know, have sexual pleasure with whichever right. <laughs> persuasion, you know, according to your preference. So all those are what God has joined, you know, Satan wants to put asunder because of that, because, yeah, this is so this affects the whole future of humanity. And Pope Paul VI, the, you know, prophetic Pope who gave us Humanae Vitae, there's this little known address to women that he gave at the end of Vatican II, which I just love. You look it up. It's like a one-page doc letter, and in it he says, women, you are achieving a status in history that, you know, you've never seen before. And this is great. He's really affirming that. He's like, wonderful. Good for you. You go, girl. (laughs) (laughs) But he says, use your gifts to aid mankind in not falling. He's like, it's up to you to help us keep human. And I really think this is a lot of um, our goal as women, Stephanie, you and I, and all you women listeners, is, is really to help humanity back away from the cliff that we're teetering on with the sexual revolution to remember that there's dignity and beauty to motherhood, to mm-hmm. chastity, to, you know, to procreation. And it, it really is this awesome vocation and mission to give new life. And, you know, one that's really devalued, especially in our Western first world culture, you know, like who, who tells little girls, if you study real hard and, and get good grades, you can grow up to be a mom and change diapers, right? No, it's <laughs> yeah. doctor, whatever. <laughs> and I mean, I didn't really hear that. Growing up. I had a great example. My mom was just so, um, she, she just really clearly enjoyed being a mom. And that, that was great to help me learn my own vocation. But, um, you know, we really see children as the enemy a lot of times to our own mm-hmm. happiness. And, um, and, yes. But other parts of the world, like in Africa, they love their children. They're really happy to have lots of babies. And it's just our first world, you know, NGOs and whatnot, uh, seven contraception over there and abortions <laughs> that are saying, no, no, you'll be better off with less children. Mm. And that's really. Yeah, um, even I mean, it, it is as recent as it re- is recent as just a few hours ago, I was in a conversation, you know, you sit in office and you and you got pictures of your family behind you and it's, you know, six kids and wow, you got six kids. <laughs> and I, yeah. He goes, you know how that happened? I said, yeah, I know exactly how that happened. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, but, but the, the, the implication or what they're implying is like, you know, don't you And I'm like, Hey, every one of those is a blessing. We were told we wouldn't have kids. It's been the greatest oh, thing, wow. you know? And, and I, and I think that, 
that's so counter to what because everybody kind of shakes their head and agrees when somebody makes that comment as if you know right. that's what you're supposed to and then you look around and and you're like no i mean what you know we one time had somebody when we had triplets <laughs> that Stephanie in her, in her Cajun moment, you know, the, had a, had a, a guy. So those, you know, goodness, you have triplets, you know, kind of like with a, with a snide look, like what an awful thing to happen. And Steph just looked at him and goes, okay, which one do you want me to throw back? So that Aww. ended the conversation, you know, but I mean, uh, wasn't a very charitable, but at that moment, <laughs> But but it's funny. I mean, there's not funny. It's sad, and I think yeah. that's again to repropose maybe to this, and I, the, to this culture that, hey, kids are awesome. They they bring out the best. Doesn't the church have something to say about that? That that it, that it is. I'm asking, but um, yeah, yeah. Well, I wrote my dissertation on what is the gift of the child because I was really interested in that question. One of my friends, and we had a, a group of moms who would go for a walk every afternoon in the neighborhood I lived in just in Maryland, just outside of D.C., and one of my mom friends was saying, you know, if people just knew what a child is, they wouldn't think that way, like you're talking about, like, oh, kids, you know, who wants a bunch of those? And that really got me thinking, there is a great gift to childhood, and how do you articulate that? Um, because now, with the, after the Industrial Revolution, in the, the first world, children are an economic burden, but they used to be in agricultural societies, very clearly an economic blessing. So it was easy to think, okay, kids are a blessing because more of them can help you work your farm. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> you'll be better off. But, uh. but how do we still say children are a blessing? Every single human life is such a gift to us. And there are, and I, we did put some of that because that was what I did my research on. I looked at St. Therese's um, spiritual childhood and, you know, how she kind of articulates that. And then at church documents on children. And so I'm flipping through my index here because I know we put some of that in here. Like what is the gift of the child? And, and really what I came up with in my dissertation was the child is the embodiment of the love of the parents. They're like the incarnation Mm -hmm. of that love. Mm -hmm. So that's just really beautiful. But yeah, every child represents hope and God's blessing. Oh, speaking of children, <laughs> one of mine just walked into the oh. room. Listen to that laughter, right? How can you say there's too <laughs> well, many of those? I, I find it, Stephanie and I, we, <laughs> we, we had students, our people, you know, and, and I remember when we were, you know, when we were first getting married, people say, you know, we need to spend time together before you have kids so you can get to know each other. And we always, mm-hmm. as we've grown older, of course, we had issues getting pregnant and, um, and it became like, oh my gosh, maybe we're not. Um, but when they came, we would have, we'd have been putting them off or had thought initially we were putting them off. And now when we talk to kids who are getting married and we've talked to them, we like, don't wait. <laughs> I mean, right? not for, I mean, cause, cause that is where you, that is where you, I mean, at least in our experience, that's where you learn about each other more. You're, I don't know what all, but I mean, we've told lots of them, listen, you, you you'll get to know your spouse better in that than going on trips and, yeah, you know. Yeah, the whole, you know, spend years getting, you know, several years traveling and getting right. to know each other. And, you know, and we laugh. We said, yeah, that's not a real getting to know each other. Yeah. I mean, it may be fabulous. Don't get me wrong. But, um, but we, I mean, you know, it is a prayerful, obviously, decision for each couple, um, depending on what mm-hmm. their situation is. But, um, but I, you know, I think in a marriage, the rubber meets the road when, when you start having children and, you know, and, and you have to, you have to really figure it out. Um, and I, and I just know in my own life, um, you know, the, the, you learn so much from raising kids. Uh, you know, um, I feel like that's when God has spoken to me the loudest, usually in my correction to my kids, I can hear God (laughs) speaking to me as well. You know, I mean, those beautiful things that if you're open, you know, if you're open to that and you're looking, you know, for God working in your marriage and your family and your parenting and you're doing the dishes and you're doing the laundry, you know, um, he speaks through all of that. (laughs) Well, and it's really an amazing way for you. Like I fell more and more in love with my husband when I saw him with our babies, with our 
school-age kids, with our teenagers, the way that he gives his masculinity to them as a father mm-hmm. is it reveals new aspects of him as a man when he is a father that, you know, I would never have been able to see if we just been <laughs> enjoying ourselves, you know, um, right. with no kids. Right. Um, and also, you know, it's, it stretches your heart and helps you through the suffering and the work and the joy that come with children. It just stretches you in ways that you never could have imagined. Mm-hmm. And to, Feel that love you have for your children gives us a little bitty teeny weeny hint of how much God loves us. When I yeah. see my little girls sleeping in their beds, just little cherubs, and my heart just got to burst <laughs> with love. And then I hear God whisper, yeah, that's a fraction of how much I love you. You're so mm-hmm. much more beloved to me. That's an incredible gift. Children show us to remind us we're, we're children of God. Yeah. yeah it's as you spoke, it's not something that came, but as, as you were speaking about masculinity, I was just thinking of, of the of all the discussion about toxic masculinity, <laughs> and oh, wondering what your what your thoughts are on that uh, terminology. Have you been hearing all the discussion about? Okay, I just noticed it pop up in like in a mocking way on Babylon B. You know the right. <laughs> the, the, the the Christian Onion. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so I haven't, I haven't really known. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, I think it's the, the intent that all, you know, masculinity means that you degrade women, that you, you know, mm. and that they're taking that term. And, and again, I think like, like we're talking about, about marriage, we also have to maybe repropose true femininity and true masculinity yeah. and the need for the two to become one, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I would say that would be whatever people are calling toxic masculinity. That would be like distorted right. masculinity because all throughout, and yeah, in it's very trendy in grad schools, Catholic grad schools, to really you know have this feminist critique of scripture and it's down with patriarchy and let's uh, you know re re envision. I don't know. You probably right. U of Dallas with the great professors you had, you weren't forced to read a lot of that, but <laughs> I you know, came across it through, um, and also the ways of countering that. And there's really great authentic scholarship that shows that in the Old Testament, true fatherhood is protecting, it's caring for those that you're responsible for. It's being a leader in, first of all, your devotion to God, leading through um, your personal relationship with God and making that primary, and then inviting your household, your tribe, you, you know, right. everyone into that. And so it really is like Jesus' servant leadership. So that's, I would say, authentic masculinity. And John Paul II writes about this right. too, you know, the radiation of fatherhood, that that it's self-gift in the way that a man, you know, puts himself at the service of those that he cares for. And it's very, very tender. And that shows up in the Old Testament so much too. You know, Jesus, or the, the father, Yahweh, talks about, you know, I... I drew you to myself with bands of love when you were yet an infant. You know, I swaddled you and held you close to me. It's it's very tender. And, and you know, even when I was in undergrad in college, you know, some of my friends' dorms, they would have these posters on their walls, like the guy, um, you know, all muscular with just wearing a pair of jeans and he's topless, but he's got like a newborn baby in his arms. And that like, you know, that would make a, a young girl's heart get all gooey to see him all masculine, but being very tender holding a baby, right? right. So mm-hmm. I, think, yeah. I think that's authentic masculinity and fatherhood. <laughs> and, and I hope that my husband would see in me, you know, as in our, as our, um, we had children that, you know, new aspects of my femininity came out by virtue of being a mother. It just, he was just really, John Paul II writes about that. That's like the completion of your gift. But I also want to be aware of all those families that are hoping for children and, yes. you know, don't, mm-hmm. they're not coming, which sounds like that was part of your story was, you know, yeah. um, not being as fertile as you maybe expected right away. Yes. Yeah. That's yes. one that but, we... it's, but it's not a numbers game. I mean, the church is very clear that that call to procreation and education of children doesn't mean have as many as you numerically can. It's right. Right. put as much love into <laughs> right. your family as you can. And, um, yeah, right. and that adoption is a beautiful way to extend that generosity if a couple is infertile. Yeah. Wow. Well. Yes. Well, yes. Th- th- there was one question I did want to ask that I, 
I'm we sorry, have, we, yeah, we, we have just two minutes. Two minutes maybe left. One, maybe you have one of these. <laughs> any surprises without any surprises on anything that as you wrote it? Because I I wanted to hear if there were any. Maybe one your most surprising moment. Yeah, we only yeah. just got a couple minutes, so sorry. <laughs> sure. You know, as I did the research for this Catechism for Family Life book. I was already pretty familiar with the writings of John Paul II and Pope Francis, and part of the surprise was just Pope Francis has such a um, folksy, like down-home style. So I really enjoyed reading what he had to say. You know, he spent about a year with his Wednesday audiences um, about two or three years ago, um, addressing you know, grandparents one week and then, um, you know, another week parents and then the elderly and like all these different roles Mm. in family life. So just how, I don't know, there's just this refreshing immediacy to that. But also a big surprise for me was reading really old documents that I wasn't as familiar with, like um, Kosti Kanubi and seeing that, wow, actually these are really relevant. And even though this is um, you know, about a hundred years old, this document that the dangers that the Pope was seen then for family life, like he, he called it and named it. And, uh, right, that was kind of one of my, yeah, dude, I, that was something I've read too. And it, it struck me that the truth is the truth and yeah. it applies across time. You know, it doesn't get, it doesn't yeah, it's get timeless. old. The truth <laughs> it's time, is timeless. Yes. It's timeless. Yes. So yes. I know we're getting, we're getting yes, to a close. Thank are, you so we, much. I hope that we'll talk as soon as this ends. Yes. Yes. To get you on the show again, that would be absolutely wonderful. Aww. Yes. It'd be wonderful. Well, we're going to end. Yes. Stephanie's going to. So, um, yes, I, I do, um, uh, a memory verse, uh, for our audience. And today we're going to use Ephesians five twenty five. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. And I think that's really kind of what we've been talking about, a little bit about, a little bit about what we've been talking about today. Um, But just remember, only God can help you take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. Thanks, Sarah, and God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you all. From the cross to the grave in heaven. From the cross to the grave in heaven.